I get all ready. I'm like done by the time oh, you, you wake don't even up. No, you don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> Do you know what you're doing? Sometimes. I can't hear you. Good. <laughs> Good. Then we can both not talk about the movie you didn't see. I thought it might be homework. I just couldn't gear up uh, for it. I thought it might be homework. I just yeah, couldn't. I, I, I was surprised you were even willing to entertain it. Well, because I wanted to hear your take on it, so I'll decide if I want to watch it. Okay, well, I guess there's not much of a spoiler if you've seen the first one. I didn't. Excuse me? I, I don't think I did. What in the what? Have you? How have you not seen the original Predator? Oh, Predator. Oh, I thought it was Prey. Yeah, no, no. Yes, but Predator <laughs> is the original. Oh, I you saw know? Predator. Are you on this? Okay, fine. I saw Predator. I thought it was good. Right. You just said you hadn't seen it. Well, I thought it was Prey 1. This is going to be a long episode. No, it's not. <laughs> emotionally, it'll be long. No, okay. emotionally, you need to suck it up. Have you ever thought about giving James a break? Never. 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 I give you a break every day. I didn't know. I thought there was like Prey 1, Prey 2. I didn't know it was Predator. Oh, boy. I know. I'll I watch it I'll now. I school I, you. You're so smart, and yet you didn't even know it was Prey 1 or Prey 2 or yeah, Predator. Yeah, I'm just not following a, a lot of, of cinema okay. these days. Well, you should do something. I'll do something. All right. I'm going to try to get into character now. Character. Do we have a, a, a persona? Well, I have a bit. Oh, you have a bit. Okay. And if maybe you would shut up, I could start. Okay, go. No respect. No respect at all. All right, Catherine. Um, are you ready for your next citizenship question? Sure. Okay. This is so you become a citizen, an official citizen of the United States. This is the last one. If you get this right, you can become an, a citizen. This is probably the most important one. All right. Okay. What movie starred two people who would go on to become U.S. state governors? Predator. How did you know that? Are you cheating? No, I'm not cheating. I'm staring at a How did you possibly pot. know that? Because wasn't Schwarzenegger in it? Yeah, he's one. And I don't know the other one. Oh, Jesse oh. Ventura. Yeah, how did you know that? I must have told you. No, 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 because I oh, watched you're, Predator. You're there's no way you... Yeah, but there's no way you could have known that. Nobody no, because Jesse that. Ventura, I knew he was governor because all my family lives in Minnesota. And then, of course, everyone knows about Schwarzenegger. And, you know, there you go. Oh, so you cheated by living in Minnesota. I got it. Okay. I cheated I by living in this country. That's a great movie, though. You think Predator? Predator. I thought it was pretty good. That was such a great 80s movie. I mean, if you can stomach limbs flying around and blood splattering all over the place. But right. as action movies go, that was pretty good. Which brings us to our first topic. Uh-huh. Prey. Okay. New movie came out this year and just released on Hulu. Okay. Same year. I mean, it's like, I don't know why they even have theaters anymore. But So, original is Predator. Then they had like four or five really terrible, terrible movies that no one should ever see in that series, the Predator series. And now they have Prey. Oh. Which you were supposed to watch for your homework. I didn't know I was supposed to watch it. I sent you a list of topics to ask you which ones you wanted to talk about. And you put Prey on the list of things that you wanted to talk about. And you want to talk about a movie you didn't see. No, I wanted you to talk about a movie that I didn't see. <laughs> okay, that makes complete sense. Well, because, you know, the original Predator was good. I did watch the original Predator, and I remember, like, the whole saga, okay? And then moving forward, there were some very lame subsequent films. Terrible, and, and terrible so films that should not like, have been made. Think about watching Prey. I just couldn't drum up. I, I, it, 
it, I thought maybe it was just really bad or something. And I thought, well, I'll let All him right, wax philosophical. 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 Yeah. Oh, man. Now I want a falafel. Well, I'll just cut to the chase. You should absolutely watch it. If you could sit, if you could stomach the first one, you should absolutely watch this one. I could stomach it. I didn't know what to expect from this. I went in with low expectations. I Uh watched it with my son. I specifically did it at a time when my wife was away because I didn't think she'd want to watch it. And I think that may have been a mistake. Not that she's a big action person and she certainly wouldn't have liked the limbs, the bloody limbs flying all over the place. There were bloody limbs in this one? Well, of course there were. It's a Predator movie. Okay. But I think she would have enjoyed it overall because I think it's a great movie, surprisingly enough. So Predator and Prey, it's about an alien who right. comes down to Earth, and the alien comes down to Earth. He doesn't want our women. He doesn't want to take over the planet. He or she, I don't actually, it's never actually revealed that there's a gender to this thing. Mm-hmm. They're basically here to hunt. It's like a hunting party for them. Oh, my God. It doesn't look like they're drinking drinking beer or bringing beer with them, but it could be. You know, they could have getting high. Because uh-huh. that's what we do here in the States, go hunt, you know, bring the beer and go hunting. Do we? No, I don't really know. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a hunter just make, either. Just making stuff up. So the Predator, the original movie, back in 1987, mm-hmm. was about a team of you know highly trained soldiers, like Marine Marines, super super right. tough guys, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. So you know you got these guys who are just huge, and they have their huge guns, and they're going on a secret mission to try to save some uh, U.S. diplomats or something that got lost in the South American jungle. You know they probably have to fight the Sandinistas or something. And then uh, slowly, one by one, they start getting picked off, picked off, and right. they're like, "What the heck is going on?" And they realize eventually that there's a an invisible alien with super technology that's been hunting them. And you know, Arnold goes against them. And I guess this is, you know, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen a movie, thirty-year-old movie, uh-huh. Schwarzenegger, uh, Arnold eventually wins, but he's the last one, and he uses mud. Mud is his secret techni- his secret technology he uses to win. That's true. I remember that. Yeah. So this one is a little bit different in tone because instead of a guy who's like literally Mr. Universe who has more mm-hmm. muscles than brains. Right. And I, you know, I don't say that disparagingly. It's just that you know he has more muscles than most people do have brains. We start with a, a small Comanche Indian. Uh huh. Woman, healer. Okay. Young woman who's working in the fields and learning how to heal people. Okay. She's the hero. She's the hero of this movie. And Marvel, you should take note of how to build heroes because this is the way you do it. She was a remarkable hero. I was very taken with her. And it seems kind of unlikely that you'd be able to take a small, weak female. Weak female? Well, females are weaker than males. Physically, not emotionally. I didn't say emotionally. And defeat, uh, defeat the alien. Mm. The predator in this case. You just did. You just spoiled. You just. It's the predator. If you didn't expect that, you know what do you? What do you? Come on. I know, right? It's like we're not spoiling anything. You think they're gonna set up this this Indian hero and then kill her at the end? Is it, is that really what you how you think American cinema is done? No, it's just it's part of the trope. Y- yeah, ex- exactly. You know, you know, going in. Yeah, you There's, know, going not in. To say. Do, you know, but did they do all the tropes? Did they do like the montage in the closet and changing clothes and stuff? No. Um, since this takes place 300 years ago, there are no closets. Okay. There are teepees. Okay. But there are no closets, and I have to say, this is really interesting. They they really leaned hard into the Indian <laughs> motif, and it was the first time I got a real kind of 
sense right. um, of the heroism of that. Hmm. For, for one moment, like you know, I, I'm seeing these Comanche warriors uh, tracking something, tracking. A, I think it was a, a lion or a cougar or something, mm-hmm. and I get this this sense of like they could be medieval knights. Hmm. And when I was growing up, that was like the trope. That was okay. the the heroic trope. Right. And this is the first time I've really seen Indian warriors kind of filling that same trope. Like this, we could follow interesting stories that these people create. Interesting. Or that are created, or that are created with these these kind of characters yeah i mean that was one it really kind of drew you in a different way so i like things that are different and this was kind of different i'm gonna watch it now but that's only half the story the other half of the story well part of the story is the cinematography in this film is pretty damn good is i it mean really? I, I was like wow these you have these huge sweeping expanses of what's supposed to be i think idaho or something but it's really canada because you know canada is just more photographic i guess i don't know but it just <laughs> it, it, cinematographic uh, I'm watching that. I'm like, this is this is an action movie. These these sweeping vistas are, are overwhelming. It's not all blood and gore. In fact, there's not there's a lot less action in this movie than there was in Predator. I think. So not to, and the the action there's still action and there's still blood and there's still gore, and it's still pretty intense and it's still pretty well done. But you know there are other parts of this film that balance it out. So do you think that the balance makes it more successful than the first film? Or it's I just absolutely people? do. Okay. And. My takeaway from this, my one-line review is, Predator is a better action film. Uh-huh. Prey is a better movie. I see. Oh, that's great. I think they're both great. I think they both work great together. And there is a lot of throwback to Predator as far as okay. the things that happen and how they happen. But it's not derivative. It, seems, it feels more like it's rhyming. It feels like oh. a, a rhyme. Okay. Like some synergy there. Or maybe you know how people do covers of songs. You know, they'll, right, they'll do right. a cover, but they'll do they'll make it in their own way. Rather than right. some, some covers mimic the first one, but some covers just take it and, and run with it. Okay, so this is more like a prequel. Well, they say it's a prequel. Everybody's calling it a prequel, but it's not a prequel. prequel. Prequel, in my mind, is something that comes before. And this takes place before Predator does, but there's no direct connection. The, the two movies are completely independent. They don't need to exist. It's just like telling another story in that universe. And it just but the premise would be prequelish, right? Because like this, it, like, like the I hunting party came think, down to hunt humans back. I in don't the day. think it's well. I don't think there's any. There's no real connection between the films. So there's there's nothing that happens in in one film that has any impact on the other. They are two completely separate films. I see. Yeah, story wise, I'm sorry, they're two completely different stories. So that bothered me. The other thing that bothered me is that the trolls came out in force for this one because they really got their, their those tiny little things that hang between their legs, those tiny little things. Uh-huh. Yeah, they got those in a twist because uh, they didn't like the idea that, you know, some little girl can defeat a predator. This movie lays out very clearly the path to how that happens okay. in a very believable way for me. Where do these trolls come from? Uh, their parents' basements. <laughs> they just always got to be hating. Just let the girl do her thing. She's portrayed as a young coming of age woman. Yeah, I'm I'm down with revisionist history if it's believable. There's nothing revisionist about it. Though. Okay. It's just telling a story. It's telling a story about a hero. This young woman was born to be a hero. She was okay. born with. She's a healer. She's a warrior. She's she's smart too. I mean, that's the main thing. It's just okay. she that what brings her through the story is that she's smart. I see. Okay, I'm gonna watch it now. The only funny part about the movie was I was watching it with my son. Mm-hmm. There were lar- there not large chunks. There are some chunks of it in French, and they don't translate the French. Ah. 
which I thought was interesting. I don't know if that was a, a screw a screw up on Hulu's part because I watched this on Hulu. They didn't stream the subtitles, but you didn't really need it, and I actually kind of preferred it without the subtitles. It's kind of obvious what they're talking about, and you don't really need to hear it. Right. And it kind of gives you a little bit more connection with a hero because she doesn't know what they're talking about either. That's probably intentional. We're watching this, and it's French, obviously mm-hmm. French, but my son thinks it's a made-up language because I guess he hasn't heard enough French. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. I love that. So uh, this is not Klingon. This is actual real, real world language real, that we real they speak. Language. Not that far from here on this continent. <laughs> I think we. I need to spend a little bit more time educating my son. I don't know. I thought we would have something to talk about, but since you. No, I love this discussion. Okay, I'm glad. Watch the damn movie. It's on. You have I Hulu watch now. The movie now. I haven't even turned on Hulu. I need to get my Roku stick. You can watch it on your computer. You I know, but it's it too small, phone. and then I get like all. I need the cinematic version. I'm spoiled. Well, if you want to get really complicated, once you get your Roku set up, mm-hmm. you can uh, you can download the Apple TV app for the Roku, and then you can stream stuff from your laptop to your TV. Oh, cool. Well, that'll be good. I have Apple TV. I- you probably won't need to do that, but you could. It also would probably make you cry. I mean, not that it's hard, but it's technical, and you don't seem to like technical stuff like that. I just don't have a lot of patience. Patience anymore. Yeah, yeah. there's like I'm I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. It's like it has to really interest me or it has to really be simple. Uh well, the next thing mm-hmm. I think that is worth talking about right now uh-huh. is cat poop. Ivy. You want to talk about cat poop? You don't even have a cat. Why do you want to talk about cat poop? Well, I just thought it was in the AI realm because I just thought that they were kind of stretching the the thing here. I'm going to rephrase that uh-huh. and I'm going to say it's in the AI headline department, not the <laughs> AI department. The article we're referencing mm-hmm. that got us a little bit worked up. Uh, right. Cat lovers are spending hundreds on AI litter boxes. Uh-huh. Hundreds. So what did you, what, what? What, well, I don't have a cat, so I find the whole concept of litter boxes Kid. like nauseating. But oh, that's um, great. but they're like it's an incredibly exciting time to be in the cat litter business. <laughs> you got to keep wow. reading after that sentence. I mean, you just got to keep reading. It's like, oh my god, I'm not reading this. That was Brent Glecker, VP at Nestle Purina Pet Care. Yes, I said Nestle. Nestle does. It's all one big company now, Megacorp. Right. And he said, quote. It is an incredibly exciting time to be in the cat litter right. business. End quote. Like, okay, buddy. Brent, you need to get out a little more. But the litter robot, I mean, as a Wi-Fi enabled automated self-clean. I mean, <laughs> like, do you have to know how much time your cat spends in the litter box? I mean, who cares? Wow. That's all I have. That's harsh. <laughs> you might care if you were tracking your cat's health. And if they suddenly had either a, a significant increase or decrease in their bowel movements, that might be worth tracking and talking to your veterinarian about. Yeah, I guess. But if you want all cats to die, Catherine, if you want all cats to die, then I guess you wouldn't care. Well, but does this stuff like turn different colors and stuff? And I mean, I thought that maybe if it could predict like, you know, kidney failure and stuff, that might be worth it. I think these are, they're overselling what these mm-hmm. things can do. And also the idea that these are super high tech. Imagine a cement mi- mixer, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a big barrel that turns right. and sifts. So so the, these new mechanisms they have are, is essentially that. Your cat has to jump up and crawl into mm-hmm. a cement mixer. 
Uh, they do their business, and there's motion sensors and weight sensors. So when it leaves, it it spins around, and you know their stuff gets automatically sorted into different boxes and different bags and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's assuming your cat will use it. We had one of these, and the cats, neither of our cats, or I should say, both of our cats refused to use it. Got it. Okay. So that's the first hurdle. You got to actually make sure your cats are going to use it, mm-hmm. which is a big hurdle. And these things are pretty big, so that's a kind of a big investment. The second idea is that these are really whiz-bang new technology, but it's a little bit more like a Ronco invention. Mm-hmm. You remember yeah. Ronco? With a, ah, you know, I wish I could go fishing now, but I don't want to carry my tackle around. Well, here's a foldable fishing rod that you can keep in your pocket. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's like, oh, wow, you know, we can track your, your, your cat's health data. It's like, well, all you're doing is you're taking a litter box and putting it literally on a scale. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing here. And, and you know, they have a little bit of, quote, smarts in there that be able to track the the different weights and how much did it weigh before the cat was in, how much did it weigh after the cat was in it. So mm-hmm. you can figure out how much it's eliminating. Yeah. Um. That I, That's, you know, minimally useful. I guess if you're going to have a really overbuilt kitty litter box, right. maybe it's worth having. But that's pretty limited as to what you're going to find from that. The other thing that, that is not big news now, but they're doing now, is that they're adding some chemicals to the yes. litter itself so that you can actually measure the pH reactions. Like, you know, the, the pH, their their urine pH should be in a very specific range, mm-hmm. and they can add chemicals that if it's outside that range, they can turn bright blue or some other colors, depending upon what kind of reaction. And, yeah, that works. It's mm-hmm. pretty simple chemistry, mm-hmm. but it's not that useful. In, in and of itself, as a single metric... Mm-hmm. Your cat's pH is going to go up and down, and, and, and it doesn't necessarily indicate that they're sick. But, you know, it can be one point if you need to uh, to talk to your veterinarian. You can say, yeah, you know, the, the pH is a little high or, or way high right. or something. I just didn't see anything about this that was really AI. That gets to the basic question is, what the heck is AI? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and if they can, like, make colorful cat litter, why don't they do it for humans? Not that I'd use a litter box, <laughs> well, but I mean, um, can't we? Yeah, I was going to say we don't we don't use litter boxes, but they do. You can do all kinds of testing uh, in that way. It, it's, it's basic chemistry, but it doesn't tell you a lot. Right. Anyway, I I just you know the cat lost weight. Felix lost weight. He went to the vet. That's all good. I'm glad Felix went to the vet. Well, but at the end that's of the, the day, thing. You, sh- you should you should be able to tell whether your cat is losing weight or that's gaining what I'm weight. That's saying. Can't you at look at your cat? Touching your cat? Do you pet your cat? Do you feed your cat? Do you watch your cat drink water? Does he cry when he urinates? I mean, I had a cat once, one cat once, who lived for like 22 years. It was enough cat for a lifetime. And I loved him, but, you know, we're done. But he started, you know, he would cry and he couldn't like pee and he had those little stones, you know, and so we had to take him to the vet. I mean, you watch your cat. Well, it's like that joke I've made reference to before in um, Good Morning Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams asks his his forecaster, what's the weather like? And the forecaster replies, you got a window, open it. <laughs> right. You laughed the first time I told that joke, too. Wow, <laughs> you're very I generous. Laugh. Why do I laugh? Very generous. Because you're very generous. I, I just, you're a laugher. I am a laugher. Yeah, it's coming back. It was gone for a minute. It's coming back. <laughs> this is not AI. This it's is not, not AI. AI. And why is AI? It's just a buzzword. It's just slightly smarter um, kitty litter box. Yeah, K pellets, little clay pellets. And it's probably stuff you don't really need. My cat goes outside, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. That's where they should go, outside. (laughs) (laughs) 
So is the hassle worth it? Probably not. No, the hassle's not. I, you know, and $900 for some of these things, nah. I mean, I'm not seeing any efficacy unless you're just bored and you have to watch your cat, like, pee constantly. I don't you know, know, if you're into high tech and you want everything to be in your, in your home to be high tech and connected, this is one more app you can download and yeah. one more thing you can track. Great. But, it, you know, it's also, it's one more thing to worry about and to fix and replace and repair. Yeah, and just to focus on it, just like... It's just like a hands-off. It's like you're then you're worried about the data points instead of your freaking cat. And there's a live sentient being in front of you, and all you're worried about are the data points. And I found it silly. I like data points. Anyway, next next topic is what art? Mm-hmm. You you sure this is this doesn't seem right? We're talking about movies and and, and cat poop. <laughs> As a follow-up to a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about Dolly, and right. we were also talking about crayon. Uh-huh. These are online genuine AI mm-hmm. systems that they're trying to develop or they're trying to develop into artificial intelligence yes. that can draw for you mm-hmm. and paint for you and mash up different things for you visually. And this this caught the attention of the illustrators over at uh, Axios. Right. Axios, just let's get this out of the way, has fantastic visuals. The, the editorial illustrations they have, I have found to always be very, well, almost always, very good. On mm-hmm. average, much better than most. And I, 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 one of the things that, I'm so impressed with is that they must turn these things around very quickly. They're good. They're clever. They're quick. They're easy to understand. They're on point and they must turn them around quickly because, you know, it's a new cycle. You got to get it out the right. same day. I, I, I'm not down for that kind of stuff anymore. At my age, I don't want to do anything the same day. <laughs> or the next day in my case. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there next week. In this pretense, I think maybe we should define AI. Mm-hmm. And I think most people have this idea that of what AI is. What they think of AI is is what is considered to be general artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. which is the idea that you can have a computer that can think and feel like a human, right? right. It can you confuse you. You don't know if it's human or not. That is a pretty narrow definition. A general intelligence AI could be one that is just self-aware and it may not think like a human, may think completely differently because it's, you know, it's not in a, it's not in a meat bag. Right. It's in a silicon bag. Right. But there are also different kinds of AIs. There are much more narrow AIs that do only one thing, and those are artificial intelligence, and we're using them now. Algorithms are a type of artificial artificial intelligence. Okay. Like when TikTok tries to decide what videos to show me, you know, it's pretty good at guessing that, and it's using a very narrow AI to, to, discern, to determine that. Another great example mm-hmm. is making a computer program that can not only play chess well or play Go really well, mm-hmm. But learn how to play those games themselves. They teach them, and this is the big thing. A couple of years ago, Google built a, a system that not only became the best Go playing system in the world and mm-hmm. beat everything else, like hands down, right? But it actually learned how to play the game on its own, and then wow. learned how to win the game on its own. And that's a little scary, but it's also very narrow mm-hmm. because it's a very constrained set of rules mm-hmm. to play the game. So that's those are the two different kinds of AI. Okay. And so that's I guess. Generally speaking, that's what AI is. And back to the article, how it impacts art. Now that you know that, what do you think? I think the computers are getting better in some ways, in limited, narrow ways, at doing what humans do. But uh, my question is, does it really create art from scratch? Well, we've asked that question before. And we dabbled with crayon. 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 Yes. Right. And we, I had some success with the cat and the style of Basquiat. Well, and the dog. I mean, 
The dog, yeah, all oh, the Chihuahua, yeah, the ch- uh, cat. See, I'm, I'm back to cats. Yeah, the Chihuahua <laughs> and the style of basket. I thought it was like you know relatively, you know, successful. Successful, yeah, more so than some other things. But reading this article kind of reminded me, not like cheapening it, but it's like kind of like what's the point? And when you compared the images from the Axios, the talent, you know, who created those images at Axios, it didn't shore up. I mean, it wasn't nearly as interesting or as clean. Okay, it wasn't as clean, but it was definitely as interesting. You think it was as this interesting? Is, this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the quotes from the article. Okay. On the one hand, machine learning platforms can create photo comp- composites from inputs to mimic fine art, photography, and illustration. Right. On the other hand, editorial is- illustration requires a level of conceptualization, visual metaphor, and story connection that these kinds of tools currently can't replicate. Right. Except, except that they absolutely did. Because this guy basically reverse engineered one of the, one of the images that uh, Axios editors created mm-hmm. of uh, a statue of a blind justice right, right. and cones and it so it, it he went in to dolly and input that text and it spit out almost an exact clone of what the editors at axios had put out i saw that and my qu- and it instantly brought up a question because these ai systems are scouring the internet it reminded me a lot when i saw that image much more than the other one the image of the the blind justice with the cones seemed very derivative of the original piece, and so it's like, at what point are they just? It's like it didn't pull this out of nothing. It pulled it from images that were fed to yeah, it. Yeah, but I don't think it's probably not from the images in Axios, because I, as we discussed earlier, I don't know what uh, images it's right. using uh, to pull from. But I'm guessing it's a it's a it's a limited uh, to avoid copyright infringement. Right, it's right. probably from a limited. Uh, and also for research purposes, you want to know what data you're working what from. What data so you're from working a, from, right. And, yeah. and and the face, it was clearly like a different statue or a different image. Oh, it wasn't as clean. It wasn't it was, as clean. You know, and it looked, it was, like, looked like a rough copy. looked like an idea. Right. But what it reminded me of were two things. When photographers, you know, and photography to me was always like magic. And then all of a sudden we have like cheap cell phones and everyone's snapping pictures and putting it on Instagram. And it was like, what happens to photography? Like, is the art form going to get lost when people can mock up things, not really studying or not knowing or not, you know, having that eye, so to speak? That was one thing. And then the second thing, it, it looked like sampling to me, like sampling from the music industry, where they just sample something. And it's not maybe, it's like a, a, a clip or like a beat or a riff or something. And you hear it in the background. It's like, oh, who is that? It, you and it just kind of blends, and then they're creating something new. Or maybe more like auto-tuning? Yeah, it was like more like, like a sampling <laughs> slash auto-tuning. Yeah, and so it's like, so what happens? So my question became like, if it's, and I know this is all in, you know, research-based and beta or whatever they're, they're doing, but what happens if, if we just go strictly to AI-generated images? What happens when you run out of images? Like there had to be a core pile of these things, I mean, for lack of a better term like a core universe of, of pure images. It seems like you're worried that they're, they're going to run out of ideas and it's just going to be, um, it's going to end. It's not no, going to No, no, not going to end. I think no. it would be d- diluted because then the new images would be uploaded. I'm not sure how they're saving things. Well, it can also create its own images. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's trying to learn so it can create its own images. And mm-hmm. there is a, a, a worry that, 
you know, maybe it, it's going to be limited by its own capability. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's limit, it has limited capability, so the output's, output's going to be limited. But on the other hand, it could be the opposite. It could be less limited than the human brain. It might be actually more, it might be, turn out someday to be more creative. Okay. Could be. It could be. I think it's going to be. It could be. And, and I get, you know, just as an aside, I kind of thought this would be another a quote worth throwing in here. One issue is that AI technology can be prone to encoded biases. While people also are influenced by their biases, they can take steps to overcome these. Um, this seemed to me to be sheer hubris to say that because obviously we know their biases. The machines have biases. The humans have biases. Right. But to say that the humans can basically work around their own biases is sheer hubris because you don't know all of your biases. biases. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just a silly thing to say. Well, I think you can work toward overcoming your biases. And I agree with you. We don't often know, you know, it's not often in our, in our foreground as to what we're, we're biased toward. Yeah. I mean, you can always work against it to, mm-hmm. to work to, to correct your biases, but you don't know all of your biases mm-hmm. and you don't know how they're being, how you're being manipulated mm-hmm. by them. And to think that you do is as a, for the third time, sheer hubris. <laughs> okay. Well, I think they could probably teach the machines to work through their biases or maybe not. Same thing. Same thing. I mean, you can be a, you can watch out for it. You can try to uh, counteract it, but it's going to be hard because you're you're not only dealing with the machine's biases, but you're also working uh, trying to counteract your own biases. So right, and the program of the machines. Right. Well, you know, and 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 that's to say that all bias is bad. I'm not sure that. Well, that's a good point. You know, I mean, bias is what I mean. We always take it to yeah, a we negative. Are bias. You know, we but, are bias. But that's what makes us human. Like that's your your bias is essentially your perspective. Well, it turns out it's not just a human trait. It's also a machine trait. Right. Well, but, but machines were made by humans. So it's interesting that they would carry a bias. How was that programmed in? It's interesting. But anyway, I just thought possibly that um, particularly with the image, and I, I guess I was less taken with the image of, of justice in the, in the cones than you were. But I felt when I looked at that, it felt like it was trying too hard to be, and I'm making finger quotes, artistic. I don't know if I would say that. I would just say that as a test, it was a 100%, well, 99% successful test to show that it could create exactly the same editorial content as right. the people could. Right. In that one case. It's not always going to be like that. Right. But the, the, the examples that they use seem pretty compelling to me. I'd still want to take the, the living human editors over at Axios because their stuff is better. Right. But... Dolly was not far behind in the rearview mirror mm-hmm. on a lot of this stuff. It's catching up. It may never catch up fully, but it is definitely here, and it is definitely a tool that you should be using if you if you're in this editorial space. Not to not to make the final images, but to help you uh, as a as a creative tool. Do you see the creative tool? I mean, how do you? What are the benefits of using it as a creative tool? Just curious from your perspective. It's another way to come up with uh, ideas, generate okay. ideas. It's like when you have an index, you have a book. One of the really interesting things that happened after the printing press was invented and mm-hmm. started being used widely and made books so much cheaper and more accessible mm-hmm. was that people made a lot more different kinds of books, like right. uh, encyclopedias and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the we- really strange and weird consequence of that was they started having to make indexes in the books and indexes a list of topics that are in the mm-hmm. book. And the weird thing that happened from that, people were looking at the indexes and seeing completely different things that just happened to be smashed together next to each other, like 
hippopotamus and I don't know what, what, what else begins with an H that would be completely different from a hippopotamus. Um, highways. I don't know. Good. That's good. Just highways and hippopotamuses. Mm-hmm. You put those two things together randomly, that will generate ideas in your brain. Mm. So it's this random connection that creates new ideas. And that's the tool that, or one way that you can use this tool just to randomly create different things. And then from that, you get, uh, you can look at, you can take that idea Combine mm-hmm. it with uh, other ideas, refine it, or it just it gives you more ideas to start with. Okay. And that's and that's part of the creative process. So you see it as a jumping off point, like it's just another tool. At the, at the moment, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an it's a tool for creative process. You know, when I sit down to design something, I look at what's out, what out, what is out there right, already, right. and I specifically try to jam different things together, different ideas together, to think about how I can generate new ideas. Really simple. Like if I'm trying to design a new product. Mm-hmm. I will put that product in different places, places that it wouldn't normally be. Like if you want, if you're designing a new toothbrush, mm-hmm. okay, what are the consequences of bringing a toothbrush toothbrush into the kitchen? That's not a normal place mm-hmm. for a toothbrush, but you right. know, that gives you different ideas. Suddenly, you're like, well, if you make it bigger, you could turn it into a brush for the you know for washing your dishes, which mm-hmm. cycles back to well, what if you had a bigger toothbrush mm-hmm. for your teeth? Right. Maybe that would be better. <laughs> It probably would. I, I do like bigger tooth, toothbrushes. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Damn coffee. I know, right? So while James is gone, I'm just going to contemplate life. He may or may not hear this. Hopefully he'll cut it out. But today's a good day. It's a little foggy outside. My fan is going. It's nice and cool in here. I'm staring at my mannequin. I took her arms off because I was afraid they were going to fall and break her fingers. Yep, it's just another day. Paying bills. Got a lot of bills to pay. And I've got to clean this house. And it's just, that's just a constant, constant drain on my psyche. I'm so tired of it. But if I move, it'll just be a smaller space. And then what? Then where do I put my shit? Too much stuff. Sorry about that. No Coffee worries. Coffee wants to be set free. Um, <laughs> so it's, I, I see it as a tool. Okay. That's a part of the process. And another quote from the article. For now, AI like Dali is incapable of replicating the creative problem-solving process required to create successful editorial images. I'm going to tell them, Axios, yeah, that's true, but you ignore this at your own risk. And it reminds me, well, first of all, they have a bit of a vested interest to see that this fails because their job relies on it failing. Mm -hmm. So you always have to be careful about the bias that might develop from that. It also reminds me a little bit of the glass company that scoffs at the plastic wine glasses because, oh, well, no no one's ever going to drink serious wine out of plastic glasses. Mm -hmm. And so they completely dismiss it without seeing how far plastic wine glasses have come. I see. Someday plastic wine glasses probably will take over. A pl- oh. <laughs> <laughs> plastic always wins in the end. Let's just put it that way. Plastic wins. It wins at our demise. It might be true. I don't want plastic to win. But I'm okay with the AI-generated images. As long as it doesn't start displacing artists and then people who don't know anything can just like randomly talk into a void and create what they consider art. Oh, you mean like the art market is right now? <laughs> like the art market. 
Yeah, kind of. Could it be any worse? Could it be any worse? That's a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. I'm so sorry. That is an unfortunate point. Yes. You could replace our our high-end art market with AI, and I think we'd all be better for it. AI-derived art. Mm. Mm. Again... To bring up Damien Hirst. I just could read my it, mind. Could it, get any wor- could it get any worse than having a dead cow head, cow head right. in a box in a gallery? Decomposing. Really, can can it get any worse than that? I, I don't think it can. So yeah. bring it on. Yeah, bring it. Let's just go with it. AI, all the way. This podcast was completely AI generated. It was. It would ha- probably have a lot fewer flaws. <laughs> That's next. No, Catherine, that is now. Okay. Well, I think that we've beat this dead horse. Dead cow head. The dead cow head.